Hello, and welcome to Business Talk, brought to you by Business West and sponsored by People's Bank. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS. And I'd like to introduce the host of this week's episode. He's the editor of Business West. Here's Joe Bednar. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Business Talk. We have a great show for you today, and I can't wait to get to it. But first, we have this important message from our sponsor, People's Bank. Thank you for listening to the Business Talk podcast, sponsored by People's Bank, bringing you the best in business experts, entrepreneurs, and evangelists. Make Business Talk your innovation break for ideas and inspiration. People's Bank, where commercial banking can fuel your growth and make work life easier. Member FDIC, DIF equal housing lender. Bank at peoples.com slash business. Okay, we're back. And as promised, we have a great show for you today. Our guest is Paul Lambert president and CEO of the Springfield Symphony Orchestra, which recently announced a labor deal with Local 171 of the American Federation of Musicians. Welcome, Paul. Happy to have you here on Business Talk. Thanks so much, Joe. Joy to be with you. Um, So we'll get right to it. I I, I attended the press conference announcing the labor deal last week, and and the good feelings in the room were palpable. Um, How much of a a relief is it to finally have this two-year agreement in hand and to move forward with another season with labor peace? Oh, a tr- tremendously. And the, the joy you felt in the room was very real. Uh, I, you know, this has been a very challenging time for the SSO on a, on a variety of fronts. Certainly the labor issues that have, have been uh, in, in place for, for some years on, on top of the global pandemic, which shut everything down and madly affected all performing arts and such organizations for some time, were very real. The challenges were very real. Uh, and to get ourselves into a, a new beginning, a fresh start for all concerned uh, around this labor deal uh, was critically important. If we're going to have a, the success we want, the vibrant future for this beautiful orchestra that we all want, it was critically important that we come together as a full team um, and, and collaborate on building that future. I, uh, I'm guessing in any negotiation, there's some give and take. Um and not everyone always gets everything they want. Um, I spoke to Beth Welty earlier this week, the union's president, and um, she had said the main sticking point was the number of concerts, and the musicians would still prefer to play more than the eight concerts guaranteed by the contract. But she's also encouraged that there may be a will going, uh, maybe uh, among the board and even even with you, to possibly expand that number in the future. So, So what I'm wondering is what factors go into the equation of determining how many performances are feasible, um, both financially and, and, and otherwise? And would you like to see more than eight, eight concerts per year in the future? Well, first, one of the critical points that was in the negotiation all along was, and what ended up in the labor deal, is it's a minimum of eight concerts is the language. Right. It's not a hard ceiling of eight. And that was a critical point from, from the negotiations going on. Uh, let's see what we can do. Let's see what the market will bear. Let's see what funding is available and what opportunities can present themselves if we're all working together to create new creative options and creative opportunities for us to come together and play some beautiful music, sometimes in the traditional sense of playing a full symphonic concert or pops concert at Symphony Hall and perhaps in other venues or other places where revenues or audiences might emerge who don't traditionally come to our concerts. We have to be very creative uh, and open-minded, I think, as we work together to see what's available. The critical pieces, of course, are just, uh, it's revenue. I mean, let's start with revenue. The, uh, the, the challenges that face the Springfield Symphony Orchestra are hardly unique to Springfield. The, the industry as a whole of classical, traditional classical symphonic orchestras is challenged right now. Those audiences demographically are, are 
aging and fading and the folks who go to those concerts on a regular basis or support those concerts or corporations who support those concerts or sponsors or donors. It's been a shrinking pool around the country. If you read the, in the industry, there's a lot of orchestras that are, are really struggling right now to make ends meet. Springfield, of course, we have the, you know, the challenges of this isn't, this is not a particularly wealthy city with deep corporate pockets that can underwrite a symphony orchestra. You know, the, if we sold every ticket in symphony hall, we would we'd be running a, a significant deficit to, yeah. to try to put together a a uh, a full orchestra season the, the the operations of running this organization not just the concerts so it's a it's an ongoing challenge the idea now is to put ourselves in a safer place uh, to see what we can do together to see what the revenue streams we can create where we can create new opportunities to play the whole idea of course is to play. You know, the, the whole idea is to create opportunities for people to hear the Springfield Symphony Orchestra and a variety of formats and musical uh, opportunities that uh, allow them new, new people to come in, perhaps who have not listened to the music on a regular basis, be exposed to the, the Symphony Orchestra and say, wow, this is beautiful. I didn't know they played this. It's not just some of the music that people have have expected to hear, but other formats and, and new audiences development is a critical part of the whole dance. That makes sense, um, and, and I've heard other other folks, the musicians, say this as well. That um, kind of the balance between the, uh, the you know the the classics, as it were, and and kind of introducing new um, new composers uh, and new works to audiences. So is that always kind of a a constant? Uh, not I said maybe a challenge is the wrong is the wrong word, but is that a constant priority when you're kind of crafting what the next season will be like? Absolutely. In, in that you want to, we want to certainly maintain and, and nurture our core audience or the folks who have grown up or lived with us for many years and the, the subscribers and the real bedrock of our audience who love the, the classic repertoire of uh, classical music. Uh, but at the same time, there's all kinds of music and I, I'm learning all the time here. I'm, I'm reasonably new to this industry, as you know, I've spent the last 30 years in basketball. Uh, so I'm <laughs> learning every day. There's all kinds of beautiful music and other formats and other traditions of music that we hope will expose new audiences that might want to come in and check out a concert of ours, learn more about the Springfield Symphony Orchestra and discover new ways to reach those new, sometimes younger, sometimes more diverse audiences that have not traditionally come to our, our markets. Uh, it's, it's really important if we're going to be successful. We happen to live in a very diverse community. Uh, and region here in Western Massachusetts in Springfield. Uh, so I think it's really important that we find ways to reach all those audiences, let, the, let them know that the Springfield Symphony Orchestra is for everybody, that it's music for everyone, uh, and that we really are excited about those opportunities to create those, those chances for people to come in and, and hear this, this beautiful music and these wonderful musicians. When you talked about expanding audiences, I, I saw that the, the smaller concerts like the Chamber Series and he's in, in, in Longmeadow um, will continue alongside the main season. And I know the musicians have their Westfield Athenaeum uh, series this year. How, how important are those smaller performances in kind of bringing the SSO and its musicians out, out of downtown Springfield into the greater community? I think it's very important that the more people, you know, I'm a great believer in the rising tide lifting all boats. I think the more folks who come to hear music, live music first, it's, it's good for all of us. Even better if they come to hear live some version of classical music or symphonic music or some version of the Springfield Symphony Orchestra uh, musicians. 
if they come, I think they're going to be blown away by the talent and by the just the fun and the excitement of listening to that live experience of, and music. And that, I hope, will bring them to, A, want to come to our main concerts at Symphony Hall in downtown Springfield. But at the same time, maybe I'll allow other people to say, huh, I'd like to support that. I'd like to tap into that as a sponsor, as a donor, as a, a friend in some way. You know, uh, we need everybody to work together. As I've been, you know, pretty frank about the fact, I, and, and the fact that Springfield, Massachusetts has a symphony orchestra in 2023 is kind of a miracle at this point. There's a lot of much wealthier cities, much bigger uh, places that don't have the, this, this great gift. It is a really, a, it's, a, it's a very special thing that we have this still 80 years old, this beautiful symphony orchestra. And I think it's really important that we all get together and say, recognize how this adds to the quality of life here in Springfield, how it adds to the reason that people might want to live and work here. Uh, and, and come downtown for a variety of wonderful experiences, helping drive the economic engine and creating a vibrant downtown. You put all those pieces together, it's pretty special. So the question, the question is, what can we all do to take advantage of, but at the same time support the Springfield Symphony Orchestra? You're talking, you're listening to Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West and sponsored by People's Bank. We're talking today with Paul Lambert, President and CEO of the Springfield Symphony Orchestra. Um, Paul, you joined the SSO as the interim director um, back at the beginning of 2022, and you were named president and CEO earlier this year on a permanent basis. Uh, what drew you to this challenge coming on board during such an uncertain time, um, both from a labor and a pandemic perspective? And tell me what it was like bringing music back to the stage after the pandemic disruptions. Yeah, my family asks that question on an on <laughs> ongoing basis. Uh, the lovely Cynthia still looks at me like, really, really? Was this necessary? <laughs> I, I love, first, I love um, music. I love performing arts. Before I did stumble into basketball uh, 30 years ago, I, w I grew up working in the, in the professional theater. So my, my personal background was in the performing arts initially. Uh, and But then having jumped into basketball and worked first for the NBA and then the Basketball Hall of Fame for all those years, when we first landed in Springfield in, in 2020, in 20, 2002, uh, one of the first things I did was buy a subscription to the Springfield Symphony Orchestra. I wanted to support the orchestra and I love it. I loved going and for 20 years, I was a subscriber to the SSO. So I was very aware uh, of the talent on stage and a great appreciator, if that's the correct word, of the, of the Springfield Symphony Orchestra. But I also was aware of the fact that it's very challenged time watching the audience change and shrink and the, some of the demographics involved. Um, I really, by quite by accident, um, bumped into this opportunity uh, when they were at a particularly vulnerable time and got a call from the board asking if I could consider coming in to help. Um, and after a lot of thought, um, my real feeling was that I was willing to come in and, and I used the words carefully in good faith to try to help. Uh, and that's the only reason I, I came in was just, I care about this deeply. I think as I've mentioned earlier, this is a really important part of life here in Springfield that we have this great gift of the Springfield Symphony Orchestra. And I thought, okay, maybe I can jump in and, and try to help for a little while uh, to see if we can make things better. Uh, and I came in initially just on an interim basis uh, to see what was possible and discovered there was uh, uh, the needs were really profound. We, there was very little staff. There was, you know, they hadn't performed in several years. 
there was a lot of challenges, frankly. So we dove in. I was lucky enough to find uh, several key people who were willing to join our small but mighty team, as we call ourselves here, passionately working together to try to save this organization and rebuild it. And at the same time, doing that outreach to the musicians and doing to, and to our sponsors and to our donors and to our community and trying to rebuild bridges and see what we could do. It seemed that we were having, I was having, we were all having a positive impact. And so as time went on uh, and we seemed to be moving in the right direction, it seemed critically important to stay uh, and do what I could do to help uh, propel us collectively to a new place. Uh, I, I, this is not about me, of course, it's all about us working collaboratively to make this happen. Uh, and if it, I, I, I hope that my participation has made some small difference, but at the same time, I believe it's really critical that we all keep working together right now, right now to build this future and uh, see where we can go. During the past couple of years of, uh, of labor negotiations, um, did you sense any anxiety or uh, uncertainty from the business community, at least those who support and sponsor their performances? And as a second part to that question, why is their support? Why is their support important? Oh, it's critically important. And yes, <laughs> uh, I must say that when I got here and we started to make calls looking for any kind of support, any kind of uh, uh, relationships as we were trying to rebuild it, there was tremendous anxiety. Everyone had been reading the negative stories in the press about the labor issues. People were aware of the global pandemic issues. People were aware of all the challenges facing the SSO. And we had to rebuild people's confidence that not only would we perform, but perform on a first-class basis and then come back with a full season and come back with real concerts and real energy with our, with our musicians working with us. Happily, a couple of key people joined me, Renato Wendell, our orchestra manager, and some other folks who really had great relationships with the musicians, which helped open some doors, working to rebuild. I'm, I'm a great proponent in the late, great Desmond Tutu's truth and reconciliation thinking. And we did a lot of work, frankly, uh, reaching out to people, to, oh, honestly looking at where things had gone wrong in the past and hoping we could learn from them and build on those bridges talking to our sponsors, talking to key people about the energy we had to have and the direction we were hoping to take this organization. And happily, folks started to respond. You know, we have a, we have a lot more needs, frankly. Uh, this has been a tough year as we were bumping towards the, you know, trying to open concerts, play on live performances on the fly while building a staff, while building a doing the labor negotiation dance at the same time. There was a lot of work being done here and trying to convince people, please trust us to come on in. Some folks have started to do that when Mass Mutual came back and was willing to support us. That was critically important. Mm -hmm. Other folks we need to hopefully embrace that. We've had some really wonderful response from some a, a core group of, of small group of sponsors. I hope there's a lot more. You know, I hope that other folks say this is really an important time for the SSO and our community. We need to rebuild downtown. We need to rebuild a vibrant community of folks coming downtown to go to the restaurants, to go to everything that's taking place downtown. Let's get together. We need people on the street having a wonderful experience in downtown Springfield. We hope that the Springfield Symphony Orchestra is a part of that. I believe we are. Uh, and I think we all need to work together to help build that, that collective uh, experience downtown. The, um, in, in response to your larger question, though, Joe, the, the revenue streams that can tap in for the Springfield Symphony Orchestra, there's not that many, if you think about it. I mean, we're just we're a, we're a, a symphony orchestra in a, in a middle-sized city in western Massachusetts. Uh, we need ticket sales. We need sponsors 
to work with us. We need donors. We need grants. We need to tap into any revenue stream that we can find right now that's available to us. And we're certainly open and working like crazy trying to make that happen. Uh, and that's just a reality. It's not our, our issues here are certainly not an expense problem. Our issues are very much a revenue driven problem. We need to do everything we can to open doors and drive all the revenue in to make this make this possible. Yes, part of the um, um, the agreement announcement last week, Mayor Sarno announced that Springfield's giving the SSO, I believe it's two hundred eighty thousand dollars over two years to um, for youth educational programming. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about that programming and why it's important to keep connecting with younger generations. I, I, first, it's we're very grateful, of course, for that. When I when I got here again, I, I became aware of, and I was aware in the past from my 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 place at the Hall of Fame that the Springfield Symphony had traditionally done youth concerts youth education concerts where students, young people from not just the Springfield public schools, but the local school districts, et cetera, came to a, a variety of concerts, uh, an annual concert, whatever it's at Symphony Hall. Um, and it was a big success for many years, but over the last few years had stopped happening. Uh, as I learned more about it and the more people I talked to, grownups, folks out in the business community, so many people said to me, the first time I ever heard a symphony orchestra, I was, I remember going in fourth grade or in sixth grade or eighth grade, I remember going to that concert, you know, it changed how I looked at the symphony, etc. So I remember saying to the board on more than a few occasions, that's just not discretionary, that's mandatory, we have to start redoing that. It's the way that it opens the door for so many people for the first time in their life to hear a symphony orchestra live on stage. Mm. So it became critically important for us to rekindle that uh, as part of this rebuilding on the fly that we're doing, happily with this, 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 these dollars coming to us from the city, we will start to do those concerts again uh, in the on right away uh, next year. Uh, so that's another challenge for us to put together, not just a concert that you people go, oh, look, kids, here's a concert. It has to be something with a curriculum and something with a real message and that's aimed at young people to engage them in a, in a meaningful way. There's, you know, there's all kinds of new ways for folks to get music and to tap into things. I want people to have that live experience of coming to Symphony Hall and be blown away by the sound and the experience of hearing 65 live musicians on stage or whatever. It's overwhelming, the beauty of it. And to say, I want to do that again. And it's not only important for that initial experience, but I'm hoping that we work with the, the, the public schools and the community music school of Springfield, et cetera, these wonderful other folks around us, the great colleges up and down the valley. There's so many ways to tap into education, the retirement communities. I mean, there's all kinds of education opportunities that I'd like to work on to have people remember the joy of coming to uh, a live musical experience, hearing the music live. I think that's not only our future audiences, those young people, but our future musicians. It's, it's a way of, of, you know, helping all of us to a more, a more successful future. We know that music education is a critical part of building healthy young people uh, in, this, in their education world. They do better in school in so many ways when they have vibrant music education, Part of that, I believe, is coming to hear the Springfield Symphony Orchestra and hopefully taking advantage of the curriculum that we'll work on to make that a, a fully fledged program. I know I've been to um, um, several performances at the SSO um, over the years with my teenage son, who's a music- musician, and I, I get the uh, sort of you know carrying on the um, that impact to the next generation. Just yeah. we have about a minute to a minute left. Just just to wrap up, um, you know, you touched on a little bit of this already um, with the impact on the downtown, but. How important is is a vibrant arts and music culture, not just to the downtown, but the region as a whole? 
Oh, it's, it's one of the key, A, it's one of the key uh, uh, employers and drivers of revenue to the Commonwealth in general, the arts. You know, it, the more you read about in the, de- the de- demographics, the actual hard dollars that are created through the, the arts economy, uh, it's a vibrant part of our, or, of our, of our state's uh, economic engine. But critically here, we live in such a beautiful place. You know, we really are blessed to live where we live, I, I, I think. Uh, and up and down the valley, there's all these wonderful opportunities to experience live music, dance, theater, so many things. I think it's a critical, I think we should do more to, to let people know about that, to work with the, the tourism folks, to work with everyone. Come to Western Massachusetts and listen and experience this great art culture that's out here. Uh, and I hope as part of that, experience the Springfield Symphony Orchestra and see what can we do together? What can we do together right now to help make this a, a future for this, a vibrant future for this beautiful orchestra. Thank you so much, Paul. That was really insightful and thoughtful and, and uh, we'll have to have you back on again at some point. Oh, thanks, Joe. I'd, I'd love to be back anytime. Thanks so much. Thanks again. And thanks again to all of you for tuning in to Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West and sponsored by People's Bank. I'm Joe Bednar, the editor of Business West, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>